The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. Everybody wants to be in love, have great kids, and the perfect home. But nobody wants to talk about how to get there. At Home with Debbie Rule is a safe place to get advice on how to fight fair or call 911. In-laws or outlaws? Who the heck are these kids and what do I do with them? Let's face it, modern family isn't all fairy tales. Because there are a few places that really explore the reality of relationships, the good, the bad, and the ugly, At Home with Debbie Rule is a place where you can freely ask questions, share stories, and testimonies. I'm Debbie Rule. Join me every Sunday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. for At Home with Debbie Rule, a talk show about home, family, and relationships. At Home with Debbie Rule, right here on 95.3 FM and knelradio.com. Follow us at Home with Debbie Rule on Facebook and podcast on iTunes. I look forward to seeing you this weekend, Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. at Home with Debbie Rule. Good morning and welcome to the Network Live. I'm your host, Debbie Rule. Today we'll be hearing an interesting message from Lance Wallnow. Hi, I'm Lance Wallnow. And you know, the world is seemingly in the greatest degree of chaos that we've ever seen in our lifetime. And yet at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised. We were told, uh, those of us that are conscientious, uh, interceding Christians, for instance, are aware that we are living in a period of time of great shaking. But we also know that this is a time of great promise. So how do people find faith and meaning? How do they find coherence and hope in the midst of all the shaking? Where is it going? What's behind this moment in history? We had a pandemic that suddenly struck out of nowhere with everybody paralyzed with fear that some kind of an invisible enemy was going to reach into your house and uh, kill members of your family like a biblical plague. And then that was followed by an immense meltdown in the marketplace as trillions of dollars evaporated overnight and unemployment was uh, moving towards Great Depression uh, era type numbers. And then we had a racial incident. It was like the spark to the flame in a room full of explosives. And the whole nation, not only the United States, but even other nations in the spillover are all engulfed in a great crisis of race. And one has to step back and ask, what is the Lord doing and where is he in the midst of all this? Well, I'm gonna give you a perspective. I believe it's gonna encourage you. And that is that God himself is acquainted with storms, told us about shaking, and that he's in the midst of doing something very unique. The Christian world, for instance, just passed through the um, May 31st date, which was the date for the Pentecost being celebrated. And so with Pentecost uh, happening on May 31st, we were anticipating that the Lord might be doing something. And what did we end up with? We ended up with cities in greater convulsions of turmoil. And we also ended up with churches that were being shut down and nervous pastors and congregations who weren't allowed to meet, ostensibly because they might be carriers of the virus and endangering their communities, only to find that communities were exploding quite without the church meeting. And uh, 
In the midst of all of this, I would say that there's a verse that comes to mind we should be looking at. And that's from uh, Matthew a chapter, uh, I believe it's Mark actually, chapter four. And it refers to a storm where the disciples were told by Jesus to cross over and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then they're crossing over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. As you look at verses seven and eight and, and examine this, they're in the midst of this process and this horrific storm comes down upon them and they become tossed in the waves. And fearing that they're gonna die, the disciples begin to cry out, Lord, save us. And at that moment, Jesus, who we find out was asleep in the ship, rises up. And something interesting happens that I want to uh, focus on. Uh, the Bible says that he arose and he spoke to or he rebuked the wind and then he spoke peace to the waves. And I would suggest to you that there's two different things that are happening here. That something needs to be dealt with in the spirit that is behind a storm and something needs to be addressed that is experiencing the storm and the two are not the same strategy. And so when Jesus stands up, he tells the disciples immediately, where is your faith? Why did you have no faith? And what he was really saying is, what made you think that with me on board the ship that this ship would go down? They had a word from Jesus regarding what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted to go to the other side. They could have acted on that word. They could have uh, stood on the strength of that word, but their circumstances actually overpowered them. Now, before the program, I was uh, talking with some friends of mine, and I had an insight come to me from one of them that I had never heard before, and that is that in all storms, you have a high-pressure area and a low-pressure area that are meeting, and they're seeking resolution. And so the way they work out that resolution could be a hurricane, a typhoon, a tornado, or it could be, as you see here, a tempest in the ocean. But what is curious, this individual said to me, he said, the high pressure and the low pressure are seeking resolution. And isn't it interesting that in the uh, lack of resolution, the storm was drawn to Jesus. And so what does that suggest? Well, that suggests that, that in life, the storms that are, and the shaking that's happening in nations is actually seeking resolution. And the church or the ones that are carrying Jesus are the ones that are the answer to the storm. So far from um, praying and wringing our hands nervously, trying to stop storms at a safe distance, it might be that the storms are coming right towards us because we carry the answer to the problem. Now think about this for a second. For months, I've been speaking out of the book of Haggai, and I've looked at this as almost uh, like a window into the news of the hour because I could see in Haggai, and I saw this and spoke about this for the last two years, that it was a period of history for the Jews similar to the period the church is in right now. We're in an hour where we have a political leader who is likened to Cyrus, who is an outsider who comes into power for the sake of God's people, for the sake of the, of the prayers that are going up by God's remnant. And when Cyrus came to power, he immediately authorized the believers to go rebuild their house that had been falling apart. 
And the Jews went back under Zerubbabel to go rebuild the house. And they had uh, stopped in their assignment. They stalled in their reformation. They got overpowered by circumstances and they actually got distracted by their own agendas. Each of them was building their own enterprise and suddenly an economic calamity hit. Most people missed this, but in the first chapter of Haggai, it's only two chapters, the prophet says, Lord sent that economic disruption. And he said, you don't understand divine timing one bit. You're thinking this isn't time for my house to be built. I'm telling you, it is the time. And so immediately they repented. They got back on the project that God was on and the Lord began to send economic recovery. But here's the verse that comes to mind right now as we were talking today about the storms, rebuking the uh, wind and speaking peace to the waves. Haggai says that shaking is coming to the whole earth. The Lord says that uh, I'm gonna shake the heavens and the earth. I'm gonna shake the winds or the spirit realm and I'm going to shake the physical realm. I'm shaking the kingdoms of darkness and I'm going to shake the nations of men. And when the shaking happens, listen to what the Lord says. Remember, uh, what my buddy Dale told me is that the storm came to Christ seeking resolution. That the prophet says, I'm shaking all the nations that they shall come to the desire of nations. And when they come, I'm gonna fill my house with glory. Could it be that nations are actually in a quest right now to uh, seek Christ? They are seeking the kingdom. They are seeking the peace and the justice that only the Messiah can bring. And in the vacuum of what's taking place historically, where the church isn't showing up, I would suggest a counterfeit faith is emerging. And it's a, it's a faith that is a religious political movement, and I don't think we've seen it as such. I think many Christians have segregated in their heads Christian activities over here and business activities over here and politics is over here and we don't want to get involved with politics. But what if the desire of nations is the shaking, the instability, the, um, the disparity between rich and poor, the frustration over justice, is actually looking for a leader and a government and a system that can deliver the promise of the kingdom. And this is the danger of the moment we're in. Political demagogues are willing to suggest that their party, their politics, or their solution is going to be the answer to the deep cry of nations for equitability, for, for the distribution of wealth. And I would suggest to you that all the blessing that America has and all the grace and all the goodness and all the freedom we have is the byproduct of the gospel of Jesus being preached and the foundations of Judeo-Christian faith defining the meaning of things and producing the institutions out of which uh, prosperity and freedom has come. And that even faith itself is under collapse right now, is under an attack right now in order to make it collapse. Uh, even belief itself, the church is in the target zone. So here we go. We are in a, a period when the storm is coming to us and we ourselves are carrying Christ and we have never been this way before. We talk about awakening. Isn't it interesting in this verse that the disciples had to awaken Christ on board their ship. They had to awaken, if you will, 
the anointing that was on that vessel to deal with the storm. And so the prophet says, the desire of nations is going to show up and I'm gonna fill my house with glory. So maybe the Lord is challenging us to uh, rise up and be the solution to the problem. Let's go back to the sea for a second. The sea in the Bible is a metaphor. It's used as a symbol for peoples. So if you go to the book of Revelation, that classic book in the Bible that uh, speaks about the end times, you see in chapter 13, where the beast rises up. It says, I, John stood on the sand, I stood on the sand of the sea, and, uh, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. So you see, nations are like the waters. And when the waters are in tempest, storms, it's because spiritual forces, like, um, like weather patterns, are stirring up the nations. And so, on one hand, we have to have a word of peace that is going to come to people. On the other hand, we have to have an understanding of what's behind the storm. And this is particularly important when you think about the counterfeit religious movement that I'm talking about now. There is kneeling going on in Washington. The problem is it's kneeling for political purposes. It's not kneeling for the healing of America. It's kneeling for the acquisition of power. And that becomes a very dangerous scenario. When the Apostle Paul and the first century church took the gospel into cities. They had storms. And I think we need to stop now and take a look at what can we learn about the awakening, the Pentecostal outpouring of God's spirit that is taking place in our hour, and what is the role of the church in the midst of the storm? How do we awaken Christ in the ship? How do we become a solution to the storm? What do we rebuke? What do we oppose? and what do we speak peace to? That's the focus of this particular broadcast. So let's take a look at that. The Apostle Paul, in Acts 18, he has arrived on the shores of Corinth. He's going to be spending some year, a year and a half uh, in Corinth, and if you go to, so if you go to Acts 18, here's the story the Apostle, he goes to Corinth. He departs to Corinth uh, from Athens. In Athens, he delivers a very important statement, something which is one of the few verses we have right now that actually makes, has great significance for America. Because Paul in Athens, he said, we are all humanity, black and white, uh, Asian, Latino, male, female, all of humanity comes from one blood. We come from one family. This is New Testament perception of race. We all descended from one garden. And, uh, and then God divided the, uh, the nations, and when he divided the nations, he separated them and gave them times and seasons, meaning he gave them boundaries for their physical habitation, and he gave a time period. And the time period is in order for them to happily seek after God. They were given a period of time as a nation to seek. This would be uh, Babylon, Assyria, Greek, Roman, this would go all the way up to our present day. Nations are given a time period and they're given boundaries. It's the God of history. And so the, uh, the word of the Lord from Paul was that to the Athenians, that the Lord himself was giving them time in order to discover who God is, that they might be able to receive the blessing and the peace of God upon their land. Well, he got done his sermon. Only a handful of people really believed. He goes off to Corinth, and as is Paul's experience, he encounters another riot. He had riots in Antioch. He had riots in Philippi. 
Athens, fortunately, was, uh, was not a riot zone. But by the time he gets to Corinth, he must be kind of shook up. Because when he gets there, the Lord says something to him. And I want to say this to you that are watching right now. And it's chapter 18, verse 9. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night with a vision. And he said, do not be afraid. But speak and do not keep silent. Uh, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. In other words, don't be afraid of another violent attack. In Corinth, I've got your back covered. Now, that didn't mean there wasn't going to be uprisings, because something does take place, and it's an insurrection. Uh, you see in, uh, in chapter 18, verse 12 of the book of Acts, the, the word is used uh, specifically of the uprising of the Jewish people when Gallio was pro-council of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul. The, an insurrection was mounted against Paul. And that word insurrection is interesting because it speaks literally, and I looked it up, it speaks literally of a revolt that would come against a ruler and a coordinated attack of your enemies. And notice what it does. It brings Paul before a government council. Let me suggest to you that riots, opposition, and, um, and mobs are actually more the part of the New Testament outpouring than you want to think about. And I would also say that Jesus' words to us is you're going to be brought before rulers and governors and poor kings, and do not be concerned, but consider it an opportunity to give your testimony or your witness to me. In other words, the business of apostolic church and leadership is to bring their case before rulers and governors. And how interesting that Jesus was talking about the church in the beginning and the church at the end of the age. Now, why would you be brought before rulers and governors? I would say because there are competing systems that are trying to take over uh, authority in cities and nations, and that at certain points, you and I are gonna be in the crosshairs of those belief systems. So Gallio draws forth uh, Paul, and, uh, and, and though there's this uprising that takes place, Paul has a friend in government. And remember this, government is not your enemy. I sometimes see Christians talking like government is your enemy. And just for the record, uh, I do not personally have a preference between Democrat and Republican parties. I find that the present Democratic uh, political system is constantly in, uh, in a, almost an organized opposition to the interests of family and freedom and faith for Christians. However, I don't see the Republican Party necessarily as a solution. I see them as being weak and often complicit in creating the problems that are unsolved right now, even though they get votes in order to solve problems. So I'm not necessarily uh, speaking politics when I say to you that the kingdom of God is what is the desire of nations and Christians are going to have to rise up and start to deliver the kingdom message. In 2 Corinthians, we come around to the Apostle Paul. Let's take a look at this for a second. The Apostle Paul is discussing his experience in uprisings, his experience in riots, his experience in, um, in political uh, entrapments and the opposition of his enemy. And I'm saying this to you and me right now because you've got to know what you've got to rebuke. You've got to know what the devil is doing and you have to know how to speak peace to the situation. So here's what Paul says. It's in chapter two, goes right into it. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians actually, chapter two, 
verse 10. Let's take a look at it right here. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, regarding an issue that was going on in the church, verse 10, now watch this, this is important. We're talking about how to resolve the storms that are happening in our world right now. He says, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. If indeed I have forgiven anything, I've forgiven that individual for your sake in the presence of Christ. So here is a, a crisis going on in the church and he says, I am forgiving. I'm standing in a place of forgiveness and I'm doing it lest Satan should take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. What a powerful statement. He's saying forgiveness has to happen in order to keep Satan from taking advantage of us. Now that word advantage is important. Um, we're gonna take a look at it right now. It's the word uh, plenectio. It means to outwit, to deceive, to beguile, to trick. It's a word for taking advantage of somebody because you're smarter than them and you're working a better game. And, and that word in terms of its, uh, of, its, of its composition is a compound word. And it's the word pleon, which means more and more, and echo, which means to have. When you put it together, it means to deceive and outwit in order to have more and more and more. More and more what? More and more power. What you're looking at today in the current news cycle, I tell you soberly, is the manipulation of emotion, the manipulation of understanding, and it's the manipulation of news cycles in order to create a, uh, a political strategy for more and more power. In the case of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it pictures somebody whose lust for something is so intense that they'll take any action required to obtain what it is that they want. Any action at all that justifies the acquisition of power. And then the word that Paul goes on to say, which is so critical here, is that we are not ignorant. Every word, when you look at a verse like this, it's like it's pregnant with, with meaning in itself. We are not ignorant of his devices. The word for ignorant, curiously enough, is where you get the root word agnostic from. And it's not a flattering word. Nowadays, if somebody says they're an agnostic, it's a sophisticated way of saying they aren't sure they, what they believe. Uh, but in reality, the word agnostic in the first century use meant to be ignorant of something. So literally, Paul is saying uh, we are not uh, agnostic about what the devil is doing. We are not ignorant of what's behind the rioting and what is behind the misinformation that is targeting our movement and making us the object of a scorn and attack. And he's saying it's important for the church to know that because to not be ignorant or to make sure we're not agnostic means that we will not succumb to Satan's devices. And that word devices is another word you gotta know about. It's the word that uh, speaks about mind schemes. N-O-U-S, nous, is the, is the actual word that is used there. And it talks about the mind games or the schemes that get into the head of people in order to produce the uh, hook that manipulates them for the acquisition of more and more power. And if you think about the process of what we're going through right now, you realize that the only solution to uh, not falling under the authority of that process is to actually discern what's taking place. One of the storms that you actually have to deal with is the storm emotionally so that you don't get 
caught up in the fear pandemic so that you don't get caught up in the anger pandemic, so you don't get caught up in the greed pandemic. A friend of mine who is a, a prophetic voice, Jeremiah Johnson, did a post recently, and it keeps coming back to me because of its rele relevance. He said that there are three waves that we have to be looking for. And the first wave will be the fear wave, and the second wave is going to be the anger wave, and then the third one is going to be the greed wave. By the time August and September comes around, the debt that we have accumulated is going to begin to hit um, the world, and the world is going to begin to reorganize. You're going to see reorganization in South America. You're going to see it happening in Europe. You're going to see it in Africa. You're going to see it in the Asia Pacific Rim. We're literally living at a time right now where the whole globe is affected by a shaking. And if the United States goes down, it changes the game everywhere. But what is God up to? Well, I believe that the greed phase is going to be socialism unmasked. Remember, socialism was rejected when uh, Joe Biden was chosen over Bernie Sanders, but I don't think socialism's gone away. I just think that the word went away. I think the reality is that socialism is going to hit a whole new stride. And part of the movement of anger and injustice right now is going to be a reset for a, a different kind of an economic policy. And those policies, I believe, are going to, uh, if executed without God's intervention, will cripple the United States from being able to retain itself as a global leader. We'll be in a struggle for our own survival. On the other hand, here's what the moment says. Storm is hit. Water is coming on the boat. The people of God themselves are, are trying to awaken God to do something, and, and God is actually letting the storm come to us so that we can rise up into the anointing of what we're called to do in order to speak peace and deal with the deception. The whole global reset economically is actually the invitation for leaders, in the United States particularly, Donald Trump, to recognize that he must set policy that is going to put a perimeter on China's ability to take over influence in African resources and in Europe, as they intend. Marxism is on the rise with devastating aggression right now in Central America and South America. The leaders that God has raised up in Guatemala and in Brazil are, are literally asking for prayer. I know that because we talk to the political people in these nations. And they're praying that God is going to create a way out for the extension of peace. Now remember what Paul said, God gives times to nations in order they might seek after him. Well, the good news is Christians are seeking after God desperately for an answer. And it's forcing the church to go up to another level. It's forcing us to realize that we just don't want to open churches and have religious liberty. We actually have to address economics and racism and uh, truth in media. We have to recognize that we have deep state intrigues that could destroy the country. We actually have to rise up and uh, participate in what could be a global reset that may, just may result in a period of unprecedented harvest and awakening should the Lord move in such a way that the church finds the capacity to rise up and deal with the storm that is coming at us. I personally believe this is the church's greatest hour. I think Churchill, if he were alive today, would say this is the greatest hour for us. And I don't think it's everybody. I think it's a remnant. The word from Haggai was, let me have a remnant that answers the calling, and I will restore and rebuild. And that's what God's word is right now. 
is in the business of raising us up to be the answer. I love MediShare because they protect and respect life. MediShare is community. MediShare is affordable. MediShare is biblical. MediShare is uplifting. MediShare is family. Faithful. MediShare is hope. It's love. Learn how thousands of Christians can help you save on your health care. Call 844-74-BIBLE. MediShare, affordable, biblical health care. That's 844-74-BIBLE. Home, family, and relationships can be a challenge, and we have some answers for you right here on 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com. Join me, Debbie Rule, every Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. for At Home with Debbie Rule. This week on the program, we'll be paying a tribute to fathers for Happy Father's Day. So join us this Sunday at 6 o'clock right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com as we celebrate Father's Day. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of the network live, visit KNELradio.com or find our podcast on iTunes and Podbean.com. To follow more news, insights, and stories, follow the Network Live on Facebook. If you would like more information about being a guest on the Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.